the Apostle Paul, as he neared the end of his journey, was trying to download all the things that he had watched God do and the things that he had learned and the things and the stories that he had captured all those years. And he had a job, and his job was to take all of those and to pass them on to the generation coming behind him. Paul knew this. Paul knew not only could the gospel die with him, but it could also die with the other apostles, the, the, the ones that had seen Jesus, the, the disciples that had been there with Jesus face to face. And so Paul began to write these words to young Timothy, a young man that he had met uh, in the book of Acts. We know it in Lystra. He had met Timothy, and he had met him and, and developed a relationship with him and a bond with him. And Timothy had come to know Christ, and he wanted to pour into Timothy. But these words that he left that we're going to read here in just a second today were really a hymn of the early church back in, in the early church days. These were this, this little piece that we're going to read today was actually put to music. And, and there were lyrics and, and notes and, and all kinds of other things around it. And we today know all of the Christmas carols, Joy to the World and Silent Night. But of all the ones ever written, this was the most important one because in this is the gospel. Paul didn't want to miss passing on the words that were most important. Maybe you grew up Catholic or Methodist or Presbyterian or Baptist or Pentecostal. It doesn't matter really the religion. We may disagree on all types of little things, but this that we're going to read today are the, the universal things we all agree on because if we get this, we get what this is all about. And as Paul processed this and he wrote this down for Timothy, it really is everything that you and I need to know. If you got your Bibles today, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's really a letter that was written to Timothy. We know Paul began to write this letter after his first imprisonment, and he's, he's trying to share so much with Timothy. He ends up writing him another letter called Seth, 2 Timothy, and he wrote all these other epistles that we have. But this letter, these words are so huge for us. I want you all to stand with me today, would you, while we read God's Word together? 1 Timothy chapter 3. Remember when he wrote the letter, there were, no, there were no chapters, there were no verses, there were no breaks. It was a continuous thought, and he's been talking about leaders and, and what the church leaders should look like. And then he makes this turn to Timothy, and he says this, Great indeed, verse 16, we confess this is our creed or this is our confession. This is what we all agree on. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. Up until this time, there were lots of things that people knew and lots of things that people had learned and lots of things that people may or may not have understood. This, this mystery of godliness is not a what, but it really is a who. We know that there was an earthly form of godliness that came to bear on this earth. He said, it's the mystery of godliness. He, Jesus, was manifested in the what? What does it say there? Flesh. Meaning this, that God put skin on. Jesus was not a created being. Jesus had been since the beginning. And now here he is 
putting skin on and coming to earth. He was manifested in the flesh. He was vindicated, we'll talk about that next week, by the Spirit. He was seen by the angels and he was proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and then he was taken up into glory. That little hymn is everything that this whole book is about. Isn't that amazing? All of this book is captured in that one little lost carol. It's huge you know it. And it's huge that I know it. And it's huge that we get it. Would you pray with me? Father, today we don't want to just show up and walk out. Father, we don't want this just to be another date on the calendar, another Sunday service, and another day that we just wandered in. God, we want today to be what we need. Thank you that this was left for us today because if we get this, if we understand this, it will change everything about how we live out our lives. Father, speak to us today, teach us today, show us today who you are and what you have for us. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And we all said together, amen. Turn around and high-five somebody around you before you're seated. Introduce yourself to them, and then you can have a seat. Good, good, good. If I have never met you before, it's your first time here. My name is Mike. And it is truly an honor to have you here at North Star this morning as we begin this, this journey of the Lost Carol. I think you're really going to enjoy these next few weeks. It's pushed us a little bit because it's really easy to get into telling the Christmas story and, and doing what we do with Mary and Joseph. But the behind the scenes of all that, it's really, really a big deal. Um, I'll say this. I know Compass, True North, why even watch it online, watch it online. I have never been more proud of North Star than I was the night, than I was that night we got to do this with this family. It was one of my 21 years here. It was one of the highlights of my 21 years, and it wouldn't have happened without you and your generosity. Aren't you thankful for what the Lord's doing? Would y'all give him a hand and thank him? It's awesome. Anyways, so... If you're new here to North Star, you got a little worship guide on the way in. That'll be our guide. If you've downloaded the app, go to North Star Church, Georgia, that app, and it will have the sermon notes in there. We put, why do you put notes in there, Mike? Because it keeps me from talking about things that don't matter, all right? And so it keeps me with a trait line a lot because I'm thinking Braves trades, what are the Falcons going to do, games, all that kind of stuff. So it keeps me linear. It keeps me reminding me of why we're here. Why was this Lost Carol such a big deal? Why were these words that Paul wrote down? Why is it so imperative that you and I get them? Why does his incarnation even matter? See, if you only get the Christmas story to the point, yeah, 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 I know Jesus came. Why is him coming in the flesh such a doggone big deal. Why, why do we have to get that? Principle number one, ready? Jesus came to do for me what religion could never do. Jesus came to do for me what religion could never do. So I want you to write the word religion under it. Let's talk about this. So we live 
Yes or no? We live in a religious society, even though there may not be any depth to it, it's okay to go on television and go, if I win an Emmy or a Grammy or an Oscar or I'm being interviewed on ESPN or I've won some kind of Academy Award, it's okay. I just want to thank God and thank Him for blessing me. Now, the rest of the year, they may never think about God. But that night, it is a religious thing to say. I mean, we hear it all the time. You hear a guy that after the game, and I just want to thank God for, for the gifts he's given me. Now, he hadn't thought about God any other point than post-game, but he, he was thinking about him. It's religious, it's, and it's not bad. Some of the people really, really mean it, and it's all from the right spirit, but it's a religious thing to say. So every year I get a privilege, and one of the privileges I get is to go down and speak to the Falcons the night before their final cut. So they do training camp, they cut the roster down, they cut it to 75, and then from when it goes from 75 to 53, they invite me in to speak to the team that night. It's my favorite one to do because every player shows up. It's amazing how religious guys are. Dear God, I'll give you everything you let me make the team. So everybody's there. It's awesome, right? Now, if they make the team, they may not come back next week. But in that moment, it's re religion is about to do's. I do, therefore God does. That's what religion says. Religion is about look, it's about checklist, it's about knowing all the right things. Here's the, here's the danger. Jesus Christ never came to make this a religion. He came to make this a relationship you have with him. Does that make sense to everybody? This isn't about religion. I love religion. I got a, a master's in it, so I get it. But this is a little different. So Paul was trying to explain to the early church why Jesus coming was such a big deal. And he said this in the book of Colossians, and I want you to, to look up at the screens with me. He said, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy in empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Be super, super careful. You don't mix up knowing Jesus and religion. Religion tells you, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. If you go to church and you know of God, you're good. You're good. And, and it's crazy. We live in a world with some pretty whacked out stuff. And, and here was what was happening even in the early church, that they would get just about this much right and this much wrong, but it, it seemed religious, so it was good. Paul was saying, if you've gotten anything but Jesus, you're in trouble. Now, we know the Old Testament. David and, and Abraham and Moses and Nehemiah, great character. We love, we love teaching Jonah, love teaching the Old Testament. But it all points to Christ. He's the, he's the end of it all. So he said, be super careful that you don't get caught up in religion. Here's the word I want you to write down relationship he came for your relationship next little blank there on your outline if jesus is not the center of my devotion i'll be prone to deception 
if Jesus isn't what all of this is all about, I'll be prone to be deceived, meaning I won't understand. See, I think um, growing up, my parents believed the Bible, and I'm thankful for godly parents, and they believed that they were supposed to take the Bible and put it into action in our home. And there were certain verses I remember that came alive in my home. There's one in the Old Testament, and here, here was the verse, spare the rod, spoil the child, all right? And so that verse was lived out. They did really great at that verse. And so they believed that, and they took God at his word and said in my rear end, all right? And so uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. So we grew up performing because when I did good, I didn't get in trouble, right? Which is good. Listen, we got we to gotta train up kids. I get it. The problem is we carry that over to church and we think, when I do good, God loves me more. We obey so God will love. We don't obey because we love. Does that make sense to everybody? So we're, we grow up in this whole system of, I've got to do good to please God. All right, so let's, I don't want to confuse you about is doing good a good thing? Yes or no? Yes. But doing good because we want to show our love for the Lord is very different than doing good to make God love me more. One is hollow and one's full of life. What would be the easiest things if I just had a really great checklist and I could pass it out today and say, if you do all these things, life's going to turn out great. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm all over that. Man, life is just sitting that easy. Tim Keller, a great writer, he said it this way. He said, religion operates on the principle, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. So if I obey, I'm accepted. But the basic operating principle of the gospel is I'm accepted by God through the work of Jesus, therefore I obey. I obey because I want to, not because I have to, which is the heart. If you're first time here at North Star, I'm gonna say something you may not have heard before. If you're here at North Star, you're like, you've said that a thousand times. All right, so I'm gonna say it, sorry. All right, and so here it comes. God loves you as much today as he's ever gonna love you. You do, you obey so you can learn to love him more, not for him to love you more. The operating principle of the gospel is centered on this person of Christ. If you ever walk into North Star at some point and it isn't about Jesus anymore, Leave. Leave. You need to go because it's all about him. He was manifested in the flesh, which means number two, he came to reveal to me a God I can know personally. He came to reveal to me a God I can know personally. God wasn't happy to tell us he loved us from the confines of heaven. It didn't please him to do that anymore. He came and he put skin on so he would get you. Would you write under number two? So he would get me. And I would get that he gets me. Colossians 2.9. For in him, and I want you to circle a word, ready? The, and here's the word I want you to circle, the whole, 
Circle that word. Whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Here's what that means. Jesus was fully God. A little blank there. Jesus was fully God. He was 100% God stock. When Jesus came on this earth, he wasn't not God anymore. He was still God. He was 100% God. Here's what happened in heaven. Man has reached a point religion can't do any more for. So here's what happened to everybody. Everybody look at me. He laid aside all his power and he stepped onto earth in bodily form. Still 100% God, but he was also 100% man, meaning he felt everything you and I feel. There, there used to be a phrase thrown around when I was growing up, and it was a, it was a hymn, I think, and then it was, a, it was part in the New Testament. But it said on the day that Jesus hung on the cross, he could have called 10,000 angels. Yes, he was 100% God. He chose not to. He experienced life to its nth degree. Most of us experience temptation, pressure to a point, and then we give in. Some of you are going to get done with the holidays. You're like, starting the new year, I'm starting on diet, and by Tuesday you'll be at Dunkin' Donuts. All right, and so you, you give in to the pressure. See, the interesting thought about Jesus was he was 100% God, yet he was, with, he was without sin. He was 100% God. Is that really a big deal? You bet it is, because if he wasn't 100% God, he was not valuable enough to die for your sin. A person with sin can't die for somebody else's sin. He was 100% God in earthly form. What does God look like? Look at Jesus. What does God love like? Look at Jesus. What does God forgive like? Look at Jesus. He was 100% God, the whole fullness of deity. But look at the second part of that. Jesus was fully human. He came in a body. He was fully human. He felt life to its fullest. But I'm telling you, you walk into Christmas and you don't get that, you don't get Christmas. That's the incarnation. That's the story. He came in bodily form. Why did he do that? He did it so you wouldn't go, God, you don't understand life. How many of y'all have walked through something in 2018 you wished you wouldn't have had to walk through? Raise your hand. We all have. Junk, stuff, life. What would it be like to look to a God and go, I know you don't understand what it's like here, but here's what I'm feeling. You don't have to do that. He understands everything you've felt and everything you've walked through. Adversity, got it. Loneliness, he understood it. Pain, oh yeah, he knew that. He felt everything. 100% God, yes or no? See, 100% God? But he was 100% man, so he felt it. There used to be a lady that walked earth named Mother Teresa. You may have heard of Mother Teresa. Great lady. What's well, interesting part of Mother Teresa's story was she left riches. Her family was very wealthy. And she was captured by the story of the people in Calcutta and all the pain and the AIDS and, 
in all the depravity of life in Calcutta. And she left her riches to give her life to the people of Calcutta. And she lived among the people. She didn't live outside town. She lived among them. Charles Kuralt, the famous CBS reporter, showed up one time, read the story years ago. He showed up and he wanted to interview her. And he said he walked down to the tent where Mother Teresa was ministering to the people. Leprosy and AIDS and all the stuff that was just rampant, the sickness. He said the stench in the tent was beyond what he could consume. He had to leave the tent. It made him physically sick. Mother Teresa came outside the tent to meet with him because she didn't want any of her people filmed. And he looked at her before the interview started and he said, I wouldn't do what you do for a million dollars. And she said, neither would I. She did it out of love for the people. The story of Christ putting on flesh is his story of love for you. It, it's different when you know somebody gets it. So for all the years at North Star, so we've, we've been at North Star for, gosh, this is my, going on my 22nd, I've been in North Star since it opened. I was 28. If you can add, that means I'm flipping 50 this year. That makes me sick, all right? And so I'll expect sympathy cards. But anyway, so um, for years, our kids were little, man. We started North Star. Mary Michael, Ann was pregnant with Mary Michael when North Star started. She was born in the March after we started in January. Casey was three. Now he's 24, she's 21. Graduating from college. Please, Lord. All right, and so she'll be graduating this year. And um, for years, people come up to me and say, man, I'm, I'm gonna miss you next Sunday, Mike. I'm, we're taking our daughter, our son off to college. And truly from a heart of sympathy, I would look at them and go, golly, man, I, sorry for you guys, but they're gonna be great. Your kids are going to do awesome. They give them a chance to chase their dreams. I met my best friends in life in college. I mean, I told them all the things I understood. And then in 2012, I took my son off to college. And I drove up to Lynchburg, Virginia, and we moved him in his room, and Ann decorated his room. It's what every boy wants is his mother to decorate his room. But anyway, so Ann decorated Casey's little room and had it all set up for us, and and that time came to say goodbye. And we stood outside his dorm, and I remember him hugging me and me going, well, I, I need to go. And I remember him not letting go. And I got in the car, and I told Ann, we can't stay in a hotel tonight because we're going to take him home. We got to go home. And for the next eight hours, there was a trail of tears from Lynchburg to Atlanta. We cried. I didn't speak for eight hours. That's a miracle. All right, and so for eight hours, we drove, and I cried the whole way. Now when a parent sends a child off to college, you know what? I will say I understand differently than I would have before. Jesus looks at you. Look at me. And he says, I understand. That's the picture of bodily form. He wanted you to know how he felt about you and that he got you. It's the whole book of Hebrews, the great high priest. He wanted you to get that. Point number three. Ready? Not only has he come to us in bodily form, he came to complete in me what my self-effort never could. He came to finish that in me. I want you to write the word finish, would you? Finish. 
He came to complete you what self-effort couldn't do for you. Self-effort will always get me to a point, but it will not get me home. He, He is glad you know things about him. Religious about religion is about knowing more. A relationship is about experiencing more, right? Does that make sense to everybody? Religion means, oh, let me just keep learning. That's good. And listen, learning's not bad. Relationship means there's an intimacy that's developed over time. He came to know you and for you to know him. Listen to what he said to this church at Colossae. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. That means complete. You know my greatest prayer for some of you during this Christmas season? Is that he begins to complete a work that's been started in your heart. You've started coming to church. That's a big deal. I get it. It's a big deal. I want you to have a relationship with him. A vibrant, growing relationship. Can you imagine somebody walking up to me and saying, so you and Ann have been married 27 years. We've been married 27 years. How did you learn to do it? Oh, I, re- I just read lots of books, man. Just read lots of books on marriage and it's great. We don't talk a lot. We don't communicate much, but I know all the books, man. I've got, I got a marriage certificate on the wall and, and I've read 18 books this past year on marriage. But yeah, Ann and I, we don't talk a lot. We don't spend a lot of time together, but I've got the book thing down. Would that be a good marriage or bad marriage? Which one? Bad. If you said good, you need to come see me. All right, so that would not, oh, that'd be bad. The goal is intimacy, right? The goal is friendship and time. The story of the gospel is he came so he could complete in you. What's crazy is to think that somewhere in heaven, God knows everything about you. There's a file with your name on it. The the Bible says he knows every hair on your head. For some of y'all, he got to quit counting. All right, but anyways, uh, I don't, that was not funny. But anyways, so um, he knows every hair on your head. He he knows, Psalms tells us, he knows when we go go out and he knows when we come in. He knows a word before it's even spoken on our tongue. We think we're just sort of floating through the universe. That's not how God thinks about you. God knows everything about you. You're his most valuable commodity he doesn't want you settle to settle for a cheap knockoff version of who he really is does that make sense to everybody can we all agree Sundays we all crave Chick-fil-a can we all agree on that you know you drive and you're like God I wish that was open I appreciate their stance and but I could sure use a chicken sandwich it would be like well the, listen raise raise chicken sandwich across the street they got a chicken sandwich well, I can go eat Ray's. It'd be fine if there is a Ray's chicken sandwich. I'm not making fun of Ray. Call it Fred's. I don't know. But anyways, there's a, there's a, a knockoff chicken sandwich across the street. still not the real thing. My sister's, my, my wife's sister and her family came in for Thanksgiving. And I told them I wanted to get them a gift. They're like, you don't need to buy us anything. They live in Toronto. I had Chick-fil-A waiting on them. They don't have Chick-fil-A in Toronto. Rise up and call me blessed. All right, and so they, they had Chick-fil-A waiting on them when they got to my house. There's nothing like it. 
why would you want to settle for something that isn't real? You know what Paul was telling this church? Don't settle for less than the real thing. He was manifested in the flesh for you to know him. He already knows you. He wants you to know him. And to settle for anything less, it's a cheap sandwich. Would you pray with me? Father, um, so easy, man. I know my calendar. We're trying to knock out some stuff the other day, and I don't know if there's hardly a night this month I've got them at home. I know how busy the calendar is. I know how crazy life is. I know, man, there's so much tradition, which is great about Christmas. I love tradition. But God, in the middle of that tradition, I don't want to miss you. the middle of this story I don't want to have a church that we've just got it all down but we missed the power of the story when Paul penned this hymn this carol years ago man, we need to know it. it doesn't need to be lost we need to know it Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I'm a believer, but man, my relationship with the Lord, I wouldn't call it vibrant. I would call it there. Man, just take a second, would you? Say, God, I want more than that. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I, I'm not sure about all this, but I'm open. I want to know more. I want you to pray the most dangerous prayer and the greatest prayer. And that's, God, if you're real, show me. Show me who you are. He'll do a pretty good job at it. I want you to pray that. I can figure it all out today. And for some of you, you've been kicking the tires for a while. Today it was like that light bulb came on. It wasn't anything shared today that hadn't been shared by a million other people. But today the Holy Spirit for you made it real. He said, Mike, man, today I got it. I've had religion. I've gone to church. I grew up in church. Today I get who Jesus was. If that's you here today, can I lead you in a prayer that I prayed when I was 14 years old? Really, it's not the prayer, but it's the heart. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. Would you pray that? I believe you live for me and I believe you died for me and my sins. Would you pray that? And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. Today, if you pray that prayer with me, just look up right where you are. I probably can't see you, but man, it's just that spirit in your heart if you prayed that prayer with me today, there's a number on the screen. I want you to text follow to that number with your name because we would love to tell you what's next. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I don't want you to just stay at first base. I want you to move on. And we'd love to tell you how. God, we join with the heavenly chorus singing right now. They get how real this is. They get how true this is. 
may we on this side get it too. God, thank you for an opportunity to see and feel and know who you are today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.